this uh, series that we're in right now is about the environments, horizon environments. And these are um, a discipleship process that we've put together and through prayer and, and determination as a team, because uh, we care about your spiritual development. We care about, you know, helping you to grow in your relationship with God and with Jesus Christ uh, being central in your life. And so last week, Pastor Roger shared about the family room environment, about the value of gathering in small groups, about uh, the, the value of that just hanging together, doing life together, you know, drink, you know, snacking snacks and, you know, talking about Jesus and talking about where you're at in life and praying together. What a great thing. And if you're not in a life group, I encourage you, when we get signups this fall, you need to be a part of that because you need that kind of atmosphere to be in each week. It's just valuable for you. It just it will be life-changing for you if, if you find people to engage with. Uh, Life is Better Together, which is the title of our sermon today. Uh, today we're talking about living room, and I'll go into that in a minute, but that's this gathering. We often hear pastors say, welcome to our living room environment. And uh, I'll talk about that, but also kitchen, and that's our daily devotions where we spend time in prayer and reflecting on the, what we read in the Bible and trying to see what God's saying for us out of what we just read. You know, uh, so there's some great tools, and we'll be learning about that next week. And then in two weeks, um, we're going to have uh, the neighborhood environment, and my wife will be here sharing about the value of, of being a part of the neighborhood, about be, looking beyond ourselves and encouraging people, uh, not just uh, as, as individuals in our workplaces, but also as a group together, engaging our community and engaging our world and trying to let them know and be representatives of Jesus Christ, that he has a plan for them. Well, today we're talking about the living room. And the living room at our house is a, a place where the family gathers. You know, the TV's not in there. It's a quieter room. It's a place where we welcome and, uh, new friends or we get acquainted with new people. We often go and we don't take them right into the family room and start playing rock band with them immediately. Normally, we go sit in the living room and, and get to know them there. And, and it's a great place for discussion, offer them a beverage. Um, it's a great place to build relationships. The living room is uh, where we have our family meetings. You know, uh, one of our family meetings didn't go the way we expected. Uh, also, here's the benefit of second service. We got, we got, you know, those of you who came to second service, now we got air flowing through the place, so it's not as sweaty. I'm not as gross looking. Number two is, I'm trying to remember the things my wife cued me on when I got off. She said, stop touching your neck and touching your face so much. She said, but it was great. But I do. I, I touch my neck. I touch my face. I'm just a toucher. I'm just touching, touching stuff. It's hot. I'm just trying to keep water from invading my eyes. So we're, we decide, you know, our children are having a difficult time. I was touching the neck there, but I was straightening that out for you. Just trying to be, just keep proper, you know. Look good for you folks. If you got to look this way, I might as well be presentable. So we're in a family meeting together, and uh, we've got three girls and one boy. I don't know uh, how much experience some of you have with having girls, but they are vastly different than boys. Uh, the conversations are, are, are entirely different. We decided one time, Jenny and I were talking, and, and uh, we, they were having a problem with being respectful. We feeling like we needed to round the troops again and talk about showing respect to us and following the leadership and being respectful of our home and not poking holes in walls and wiping stuff on walls and doing things that, that kids sometimes need to be reminded of not doing. So we go to sit down for this meeting, and uh, the boy was great. You know, he's just there, part of the meeting, trying to offer solutions. By the time it was all over, all three girls are crying all about different stuff. 
You know, one of them said we didn't give them enough stuff. If we had more, they had more stuff to do that, that they wouldn't be doing these things. You know, but that was good. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and then another one uh, was, was uh, reminiscing about, you know, just wanted to share kind of what God had been doing in her life at that moment. And she was, uh, you know, in that stage where your body starts changing and you're a little more emotional. And she's talking about that when she visited her aunt during the summer and that she visited this dog with puppies and she started crying and saying, oh, that was the closest I've ever felt to God. And I'm sitting there trying to keep myself together, not doing a very good job, you know, not being a, it, it just struck me funny, you know, that the closest she had felt to God was holding puppies. But, you know, she has, maybe she's got that instinct in her, you know, she just loves puppies. So, but, you know, it's just, it was just, it was, it was very stressful to me because I was trying to keep from laughing at things and, and I was trying to be respectful of their thoughts um, and, and trying to, to be helpful in the process and uh, trying to deal with all the crying that was going on. I mean, all three girls were crying. I still don't know to this day exactly what that was about. I just turned to my wife afterward and said, honey, I'm never doing this again. I'm out. You want to meet with them? Fine. I'm out. You know, I can't handle it. It's too much. So, but, you know, it's just part of being in family. You know, families, we have our ups, we have our down. And this is a family gathering this morning, the living room. This is where we come in, we enjoy a hot beverage, we enjoy conversation together, we get to hear good teaching. And I want to talk about that value this morning. We are a family. The Bible encourages us to treat each other as family. Now, the Horizon Journal reading yesterday... Uh, had this verse as a portion of it, as well as Pastor Stan happened to tweet this verse on Friday. So if you follow him on Twitter, you may have seen this verse. It's 1 Peter 3, 8, New Century Version. And look on the screen here. It says, Finally, all of you should be in agreement, understanding each other, loving each other as family, being kind and humble. 1 Peter, we're encouraged to love each other as family. This is a family gathering this morning. Why do we gather in this environment? Why are we here? I would like you to look at the screen because I have a video that talks about why we're here.
Well, that's why we're here. Boy, that's some good stuff. Some great things in there. You know, uh, the living room is a place for family to come together, a place for family to celebrate, care for each other, share life's journey, pray for each other's needs. We are Horizon Community Church. Community is our middle name. We value community. The, the, the gathering of us, this community of believers, people of faith, to come to this place and to celebrate God together. This is a valuable experience. This is a place where we encourage each other to follow Jesus with our whole heart, which is our purpose statement. Encouraging people to follow Jesus with their whole heart. That's why we're here, to encourage each other, to follow him with everything in us. We need each other. We're a people of various life stages, various interests, various backgrounds, various cultures that gather together to share life and encourage and learn together. We are a people of faith that ex have experienced life change through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, what an honor it is today to be able to just stand here and uh, share about you. God, to share about the value of us being here to get together today. Lord, we're here to celebrate, as it says. We're here to build community, as it said in that video. Lord, we are here to honor you and to know you better and to live for you better and to serve each other and to serve you and encourage each other to follow you with our whole heart. Thank you so much, God, for this place. Lord, this beautiful uh, building that we have to share together for the opportunity that we have to come and hear from you. Lord, I just pray you'd guide and direct me. Holy Spirit, I pray that uh, you would give me the things to say that are specific to the people in this room at this moment. Those who are watching this. Lord, I just pray that you will just um, help, uh, Holy Spirit, that you just guide me to say the things that you have for these folks today. Thank you for being so good, God, and thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. Well, the first thing I want to talk about this morning is the living room is a place to value. Now, in our home, like many homes, the family room gets the most action. That happens in a lot of homes. Family room is a place where the family kind of hangs out. But the living room, there's no TV. There's just people having conversations and relationships are being developed. The living room is not always the most valued place in our homes. It's often the pretty room, you know, that we don't ever go in. It's got the carpeting that's probably whiter than we should have got it you know, lighter than we should have got it. It's got the furniture that we want to keep nice and pretty that we don't let the kids touch with their jelly hands and stuff, you know. Uh, you know, back in the 70s, I remember that was the room in, in people's houses that I'd visit that had the saran wrap plastic over the furniture. You remember that? You know, that was the thing. If you wanted to keep your furniture, I got a feeling there's, there's some really pretty couches in the dump that are still saran wrap to this day. You know, either that or college students got a hold of them. They look like brand new furniture. You know, about 20 years you know, when they got it. But, you know, it's just, it's just funny. The living room is, is this place that's kind of there that we don't interact with that often. At least not in my experience of, of our home. However, it is a place we need to value. And value as a family. You know, those times that we sit in there and just talk. You know, you can sit together and watch American Idol and, and, or um, watch, uh, you know, what's the, great, the talent thing? America's Got Talent. You know, we've been watching that. You know, and you can talk together when you're watching that, but there's something about engaging in the seriousness and, and, the, and the context of the living room. There's value there um, that I think today it's good to, to be encouraged by. Both of those places are greatly valuable, is what I'm getting at. 
You can't say, oh, we don't need the living room. You've got to say, we need the living room. You can't say, oh, we don't need the family room. We need the family room. You, you need both of these experiences. You also need the kitchen. You'd starve to death if you didn't have a kitchen. Or you'd have a really smelly house with lots of problems. You know, you need a kitchen. You need a place where you go and you dine. And we need that kitchen environment in our lives where we're going and interacting with God's Word on a daily basis and feeding ourselves from what the Bible says and hearing what He has to tell us and to feed into our lives. We need the neighborhood. We need to engage others and care for other people. Well, we're, we here want to create this environment to be a relaxed place where we can invite our friends to join us and discover the great things that God is doing in people's lives. We want to learn together. I look forward to this weekly gathering. Um, it's fun to come to this place, and I enjoy chatting with you. I enjoy getting to know you. I enjoy the people here. I like getting here at 8 in the morning and seeing these guys that are already pushed their things out. The band's already rehearsing. You know, we're, they're in their hook and stuff. I get like to just talk to them, pat them on the back, ask them about their week. It's fun seeing the people in this place. This is a great church. There are great people in this church. And this is a great place to connect together. And I enjoy it. And I enjoy you. I enjoy getting to know you. I enjoy uh, chatting with you. I feel the joy found in one, Psalm 122, verse 1, when Sunday mornings arrive. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I like it. I like coming here. I like being with you guys. This gathering is a biblical value. You'll find it valued both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Jesus valued going to church. Let's look at Luke 4.31. It says in Luke 4.31, then Jesus went to Capernaum. That's how I say it. may not be correct, but I'm going with it. I've heard it that way. A town in Galilee and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. So here, Jesus is going to church. He's going to the synagogue every Sabbath and, and speaking and teaching. In John 18, verse 20, look at this. Jesus replied, everyone knows what I teach. I have preached it regularly in the synagogues and the temple where the people gather. I haven't spoken in secret. These gatherings were foundational part of the New Testament church. When the church was just formed, the church where Jesus Christ was, was realized that he is the way to God and began to formulate. Let's read it, what it says in Acts chapter 2 where it begins to tell how the church began to formulate their time. It says in verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. First thing they valued was going to church. They valued that. They valued going to homes and breaking bread and, and, and remembering what Jesus had done in communion. They enjoyed eating together. They enjoyed serving one another and caring for one another. The Bible instructs us to value this gathering in Hebrews 10. Let's look at this. It says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. But watch verse 25. It says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, when I was a kid, I want to talk a little bit about a pendulum shift that's happened in the church world. When I was a kid, uh, I went to church Sunday morning, every Sunday night, Wednesday night, 
Sometimes there was a Bible study that happened midweek that I went to on top of that. And quite often there was a Saturday thing or a potluck or something. I mean, we were always at church. Our culture and Christianity was always at church. I don't think that was balanced in some ways. What I mean by that is this. We began to cocoon ourselves and make our own culture that only influenced ourselves. Well, that's not biblical because it says they added numbers daily who were being saved to their fellowship right here in verse 47. They were reaching out to people. Well, sometimes the pendulum will swing in America. I don't care who's in office. If the Democrats are in control, the Republicans should be in control, according to people. If the Republicans are in control, the Democrats could be in control. My dad voted for Democrats and Republicans, and everyone he voted to was wrong. Because, I mean, every time, whoever was in there was doing a lousy job. That's all I know. My dad was always upset with whoever was in office at the time. He voted for, for a lot of them that won, too. But it's just... You know, we, we, we seem, to, seem to swing the pendulum. Well, they're too conservative, they're too liberal, so we can't seem to hit that middle very often as a society. And we do that in churches, you know. Sometimes I've known several churches that replace a pastor, and the pastor is a very, um, you know, more of an authoritative style guy, and, and then they go and they get a guy who's like a hippie kind of guy, you know, and then they, they can't understand why they don't like it, why people are upset with them. You, you know, we, we, we do this kind of stuff to ourselves. It's silly. We just do it. But you know, I want to talk to you about the fact that when it comes to church attendance, we don't need to be here every night of the week. But I think making a weekly commitment to engage in this kind of a fellowship, gathering together as a value, and I think spending time like they did in homes weekly is, 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 is something we should be a balanced value in our lives. Uh, this living room's important. It's important to your faith development. We shouldn't take it for granted. However, like all things, we can become distracted from this gathering. We preserve and protect our valuables, and often when we get distracted from them, things end up broken. One of the things my son had a value was a, uh, for his birthday, we decided that uh, he was going to get a bike. The bike he had was was very, very used when he got it. It was a great bike. Somebody had been nice enough to fix it up for him, but the brakes were going. You know, he was pushing the brakes and they kept going. Not a good thing when you live in Sherwood. It's all up or down everywhere you're going. And so, you know, it's hard when you're going down fast down a hill and you can't, can't stop yourself. That's, that's not a good feeling. So he decided to get a bike, but he was really wanting some video games. And um, I said, why don't we get a decent bike? And then maybe I'll, I just, I'm a gadget guy. So if it plugs in a wall, I'm interested. You know, I just want to know about it. I just like phones and computers and TVs and VCRs and, you know, all that stuff. Even though VCRs, the last time I put one tape in one, I ate the tape and I had to go buy somebody a DVD. That was a bummer. But, you know, that's just part of stuff. You know, I just enjoy that kind of stuff. And uh, I just recently, my, my ringer uh, vibrate button on my old iPhone quit. Do it, it just vibrated all the time, but it didn't turn the ringer off. So you'd have it in your pocket and it just vibrated the whole time. You didn't know if you had a phone call coming in or you're having a stroke. I mean, it just was, you know, there was always vibrations happening at odd times in my pocket. And so I needed a new phone because uh, it was beyond, you know, all that stuff to get free repair. And the new phones come out and it was time for a new contract. So I went ahead and got the new iPhone. And I said to him, okay, son, I will give you my old iPhone if, if we can forgo the video games because it'll have a lot of games. He was excited. I mean, he was ecstatic. So we set it up, I set up like an iPod Touch and got it all ready to go. He owned that phone for 12 hours. We still have it, 
but it's not as pretty anymore when you touch the buttons. He had went to Water Wars with his mom to help her to set up for Water Wars and help with the kids. He did a great job, but he decided he was going to take pictures, you know, because he's excited. Well, he decided also to play in the water. So playing in the water and taking pictures don't work out very well when it comes to a phone, and so it, it's just sitting in a thing of rice right now. I read in the internet. We'll see if it comes back to life or not. We're seeing if it's going to be resurrected or if it's just dead and we're at the bury it in the backyard or something. You know, it's just a bummer. But I mean, he learned a lesson of value. I mean, other friends have learned that same lesson, jumping into a pool with their phone. I just know lots of stuff. We just do stuff of value and we make mistakes. You know, it just happens. Well, this is something we need to value and try and protect. This gathering together, you know, so that we see it as important, that we see it as something of value. So I want to share a little bit about, about that. Um, If you miss these weekly checkups that we have, this, this gathering that we have where someone comes together and they're sharing from the Bible something that they feel like God's put in their heart and they've prayed about, um, if it's neglected, there will become kinks in your spiritual life. We need to protect, work at protecting this. The value of this gatherings are this. This is a place to celebrate God and His love for us. Where else can you go during your week where this many people are together to celebrate God and his love for us? Where else can you go that, we can ce- that you can celebrate Jesus and the sacrifice and his redemption with a group that are excited about it? A place for the Holy Spirit to impress upon us, to grow in our faith and, and our interaction with this world. The Spirit speaks to us. As I'm speaking to you, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you too and reminding you of stuff or bringing stuff to your mind. Well, also we need to be careful here not to fall into the trap of consumer mentality. We can't make the church about this experience about what's in it for me. You know, what am I going to get? What am I receiving from coming here? Instead, as we grow in our faith, we need to turn our mindset and ask, what can I give to God here and what, what can I give to others? Philippians 2, verses 2 through 4 says this. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't, think out, think for on, don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others also. So it's not saying, you know, that you can't take an interest in yourself. It doesn't say, you know, that you shouldn't take any interest in yourself, but it does say, look out for others as well. This gathering is a healthy point of focus each week. It's an opportunity to connect with each other and focus our attentions towards God and growing and knowing and loving him more. Second thing I want to talk about, the living room is a place to grow as family. And I want to talk about several things that help us in this growth. Um, my sister uh, is, is the, there's eight children in my family. My sister is the sixth child, and she's the first girl in our family. I am the seventh child. I was a boy, and I have an eight. There's an eighth child. It's my sister. So we have a whole you know, my festival looks nothing like my parents' festival did. You know, we got a festival going on. Um, and so she and I were closest kids. I mean, she's six years older than me, so she was kind of, you know, checking on me. You know, we, we were good friends. And um, in, uh, in college years, her husband was going to a Bible college to go to school uh, for ministry. And she got married and she went up to live with him. And they became, during those years, a music-slash-youth pastor at a church. And they, uh, 
in the youth events, they made some decisions that people were upset about. And instead of coming to them with love and trying to correct them and talk to them about it, they just ripped them to shreds. They just beat the tar out of them verbally and including the pastor they were working for did not back them up. He just fed into the whole thing. And so they were terribly wounded uh, by that experience. And she let unforgiveness and embitterment settle in her heart. And so she quit going to church completely for a season. Now, she didn't say that you talk to her about Jesus, she could tell you about Jesus. She loved Jesus, but she didn't care for his kids at all. She just did not want to be around him. And I remember one time I was at home, and I went back when I was in my first church, and uh, I was talking to her on the phone. And back in those days, talking on the phone involved a cord that attached you to the wall. So I remember vividly standing in the, in the living room, dining room slash area there, standing with a phone to my ear, talking to her. I remember this conversation pretty vividly. And talking to her and saying, Belinda, you know, you really need to, you need to be in church, your husband, your, your kid, you, need, you guys need this. And she said, I, Jeff, I can't be around those people. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to be near them. I don't like them. They don't like me. It's better that way. And I said, it's not better that way. And I really felt the Holy Spirit was, was uh, speaking to me uh, and telling me to tell her this. And so this may sound strong, but it's my sister, and I don't mean this in a... In a, a uh, that all people that attend this place are this way, but what I said was this. I said, Belinda, I said, there are idiots at Kmart when I go there. Now, I want to tell you something. Midwest shopping is different than shopping here. People are more cordial here, like even getting around and driving is a lot easier here because people aren't cutting off as much and they kind of let you in. You know, Midwest, it's every man for themselves. And the closest shopping experience I can give here to there, a normal shopping experience there, would be like going to Winco on a busy day over there in Tigard. How many have been over there before shopping? It's almost like you need to have full gear on, you know, uh, you know, with your list. And I mean, people are focused. I mean, they are there at Winco to do their Winco business. And they are not messing around. And so that's kind of how most places are in, are in, in, in the Chicago area where, and, and the Midwest where I was living in that time. And so I said to her, I said, look, there are some idiots at Kmart when I go there. Every time there's somebody pushing me, shoving me, saying something. Somebody's just doing something that's, that's weird. Uh, just things happen. You know, there are people that are there. I said, but if I need something from Kmart and I can, and I can afford it, I'm going to go to Kmart and get it. I'm not going to let them stop me from going and getting what I need. And I said, you need... Jesus, and you need his people, and you need to get past all this. And so I want to tell you now, she's serving, going to church every week with her family. My mom's 80 years old. She loads her up in the car, and she loves her church. You get her talking about her church, she can't say enough nice stuff about it. There's great value in this experience. I want to read you Philippians 2, 2 through 4 and speak about this for a moment. It says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. So he's writing to the church in Philippi. Do this. Be agree with each other wholeheartedly. Love each other. Work together. And he says, number th verse 3, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't, oh, I'm sorry, I, I've skipped all over the place. I'm reading another one I already read. 
Well, I'll go ahead and finish it because it's good stuff. Don't look out for your owners, but take interest in others also. Now let's skip down to the real one I'm reading in Colossians. He's writing to the, the people in, at the Colossians Church in 3, 12 through 14. Sorry, I got on a sidetrack there, but I walk away. Who knows what's going to happen here, folks? We could be here for an hour. I've got to watch myself. Since, since you chose to be, I thought that, I was reading that going, where is it? Uh, since you chose to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. This scripture is for you. If you've been wounded by church people, and it's put a, a bit of cynicism in your heart towards the church, especially the value of what we're doing here this morning, you have to forgive. Don't walk around with that garbage. The people that you are angry with, the people that you are frustrated with, the people that you're living in anger with are not thinking about you and your anger at all. It's not changing their life at all, but it's ruling your life. Why would you let that rule your whole life? We have to forgive. We have to let it go. We got to be like a duck with water that just rolls right off the back. People are flawed. I mean, honestly, you come to this church, we're flawed people. Now, we're all growing. We're getting better. We all strive to be examples, like this says, of Jesus Christ. But because of the effects of sin in this world, we're all capable of making mistakes and saying things that are harmful and hurtful. Doesn't even mean that we even know that we're saying anything that was harmful or hurtful. We could walk away and not even know, and you could be upset. But you can't live there. You can't live with anger there and that resentment there. It's not healthy for my sister. It wasn't healthy for her, and it's not healthy for you. There is no perfect people and no perfect church until Christ returns. When Christ returns, the effects of sin are gone, and there we are per perfect through Him. And hey, perfect church. But until then, the music's going to be too loud for you, or, you know, somebody's, you know, the pastor doesn't, you know, he keeps rubbing his neck and driving you crazy all the time. You know, there's going to be something, you go, ah, you know, these people are, you know, somebody didn't greet you right way or gave you the skunk eye you thought from across the room. You're going to find things if you're looking for it. Stop looking for it and look for something of value. Look for engagement in this process that we call life together as a church. Look for family. Look, I don't know about your family, but in our family, we have disagreements. There's a little conflict on occasion that happens in my family. It's going to happen here too, but we can't live there because we're family. We got to move past it together. We're better together. We're better on the other side of disagreement. When we work it through and we do what the Bible says, we're way better. You're better and the person that went through it with you is better. Restoration is a beautiful process.
I want to read this. this uh, Paul's writing to the Thessalonian church. And man, there is so much stuff in here. I want you to listen to this very carefully. Man, there's just some great words of encouragement he wrote to this church. He said, so encourage each other and build each other up as you are already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, see that term there? We're brothers and sisters. We urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. Who? Oh, come on, you sound like my kids. Be patient with who? Everyone. Yes, Dad. So what does that kind of sounded like? Everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always tries to do good with each other and to all people. So we've got to look out for each other and help somebody. If somebody's trying to do something wrong, we've got to step in and say, hey, no, not, that sounds like evil for evil. Don't want to do that. Let's do good instead. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Boy, how about that? That'd be a letter to get in the mail, huh? That's some great stuff. The next thing we need to grow together as family is we need good teaching. This is uh, under the, the second point still. So we got the, first, the second point is grow as a family. We need to be forgiving and allow uh, each other to grow. The next one is we need to encourage each other in our faith. And the next one is we need good teaching. 2 Timothy 4.2 says this. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether its time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Paul's writing to Timothy, one of the people that he's discipled, who's now pastoring, and says, teach good teaching. Be a place of good teaching. And I'll tell you what, this church is a place full of great teaching. Last week, Pastor Roger, it was great teaching. Pastor Stan always has great teaching. I don't care what he's talking about. There's something I'm walking out there with that I wrote down that I needed to change in my life. Something that the Spirit dealt with me about. If the Word is proclaimed clearly and with honor, God's going to use it to touch your life. And this place, we are careful about the Word of God. We spend hours preparing these sermons. We don't wake up on Saturday morning, roll out of bed and go, oh, what should we do tomorrow? We spend all week Time, energy, research, looking at this, these topics, these, these verses that we're dealing with because we want to give you something great. We want you to walk away with something that's going to be impactful. The next thing, we want to grow, how we want to grow together as families, we need to allow leaders to speak into our lives. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says this. Obey your spiritual leaders. Do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. How do you like that job? No pressure. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That certainly wouldn't be for your benefit. 
We need to allow leaders to speak into our lives. There are leaders all through these churches. There's people, leaders in life groups. There's leaders in shepherding groups. There's leaders in this room. There's leaders in children's ministry. There's leaders in youth. There's leaders in music. These leaders are here because they care. They want you to be a better you because they're wanting themselves to be a better them. And so listen to them. The next thing is we need to, to allow them to be in our lives. The next thing is we need pe- uh, people to pray for us. So we come here for prayer. It says in the power of prayer is a subheading that they wrote in the New Living Translation. I like that for this series of verses. James five thirteen to 16, it says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Your earn- the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. What kind of results? Wonderful. I can't think of a nicer word than wonderful. If that word could just follow me around, that would be great because everything would be wonderful. Wonderful is a great word. And you know what? We value prayer. We oftentimes will have people up here praying at the front here for you because there's a biblical mandate for, for, for us to get elders to pray and to believe for healing and to pray for one another. We need to pray for each other. And the prayer of a righteous person, someone who's living in right ways, if you want your prayers to get better and to, get, to have more impact, now they can't be selfish about I want to win the lottery. That, that kind of prayer is not really falling in this privy. But if you live in right ways and become righteous, your prayers hold weight better with God when you do what he says. When my kids come to me and they've been obeying what I've been asking, I'm way more likely to say yes to the ice cream man who keeps coming down my street at least three times a day than on the days where I've had to fight with them about taking the garbage and doing the dishes. We listen to those who obey, and we hold their weight. And if you want God to hear you, live for him. Do the things that he asks. Learn what the Bible says and follow it, and your life will be better. Your problems won't go away, but man, the way you react to everything is going to change, and it's going to be better, way better. I promise you that. And our third and final point this morning is the living room is a place to welcome guests. I got a little story here. It says a young couple entered, I'm sorry, a young couple invited their elderly pastor over for Sunday dinner and they welcomed him, had him gave him a seat, gave him a beverage and went into the, the kitchen uh, to pre- finish preparing the meal and get it served. And the minister asked their son who was there, what, what are we having today? And the little boy said, Goat. And the goat, the, paddle re, the pastor replied, kind of startled. Are you sure about that? Yep, said the youngster. I heard dad say to mom, today's just as good, good as any to have the old goat for dinner. <laughs> Boy, those kids, they say stuff that we stay, and it's not so great when we hear it back. <laughs> but again, it goes back to that righteous living. The more we refine ourselves by, by giving up to what God wants, the less we get in trouble. You know, better things go for us. 
That's not the kind of hosting our guests we want to have happen. You'll often hear a pastor welcome you to Horizon's living room on Sunday morning. How many have heard that? You've heard somebody say, welcome to the living room? Yeah, several of you. Quite often they'll do that before announcements. This is our living room. And it's a great visual for what we want our church family to create here. Is that living room environment. Here's a thought. Just as in our homes, the living room is a place where family uh, gathers and where we host our guests. When guests arrive, we welcome them, we take their coat, we offer them a beverage, we find them a comfortable seat, we engage them in kind conversation. We need to make this a great place to be. I'm so excited about some of the people who stepped forward and engaged our street to seat. I mean, those people, they care about this being a great place. You know, we got people running around the parking lot, driving the shuttle buses, and, and in here with their tags, holding the door, welcoming people. We've got people back here working the beverages and keeping them replenished and keeping uh, snacks out during the, the, the time where we get donut holes and muffins and, and the cashews. And, you know, we just have people who host us well. And we need to act here in that same way we act at home. We need to be ready to receive people. When I have people coming over to my house, I clean out the closet they're going to put their coat in, their coat's going to go in. I, I pull out the, the chairs they're going to sit in and make sure whatever kid stuff that got under there that's not supposed to be under there is out and swept up and, and put somewhere. You know, I want to make sure it's nice. I want it to look like I've been expecting them to come. Wouldn't that be a great feeling that if your visit to a church, you felt that they were expecting you when you got there? That they were waiting for you? Wouldn't that be nice? You ever shown up at somebody's house and invite you over and they act like you weren't even supposed to be there? <laughs> they didn't even, you know, at least clean up, take the dishes from last night and take them out or something, you know? No, not very many people will do that. But man, it feels good to go somewhere. Like when you go to the mall and it feels like they've expected you because they got it clean, they got it organized. Their stores are open, wide open. They got people ready to serve you. Well, we want that same thing here. And I appreciate those who are serving in the parking lots and all that. Um, the coffee teams, the ushers, the greeters, all of that. It's significant what they're doing because we don't know who God is sending into, into this place. We don't know who's coming to Horizon on a Sunday. I don't know what some of you have brought with you, what you've come with. But I do know there are people who come here who would really appreciate someone to reach out with them with genuine friendliness because there's people who are coming here who are going through a divorce, people who are dealing with addictions that come into this place, there are people who are going through bankruptcy, people who have been jobless, people who are losing their house, people who are coming out of rehab, people who are going into rehab, people who are sick with cancer, people who have just lost a family member. There are people who are hurting coming to this place to find an answer. And wouldn't it be great is when they get here, they feel like we've been waiting for them all along. Let's engage people. When you come into this place, don't just find your five buddies that you talk to every time with coffee out here. Find somebody you don't know and just welcome them because you don't know what brought them here. You don't know how long they've been coming here and you don't know. You may say something to them that just changes their whole world just because you were nice. Now, the next thing is, is I, we all need to serve our family to make this a better place. Let's remember to serve each other with love as Paul said in the verse in, in Galatians that we just read about serve one another, the whole law is made complete in this command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now part of, oh, I, I went through it, but that's it. Love your neighbor as yourself and serve one another. Being a part of family 
carries responsibility. When you live at my house, the responsibility is called C-H-O-R-E-S. Chores. It's just part of living there. I provide you with a nice bed of your own. I give you food to eat. You know, I love on you. I buy you stuff. But there's, there's just responsibility with the privileges of being in family. There's responsibility that comes. So, you know, there's things that need to happen like the laundry, the dishes, taking out the trash, picking weeds. All oh, my kids hate pitch, picking weeds. Every time they ask me for money, I say, okay, how many weeds are you going to pick? What are you going to pick here? I Because I got weeds growing all the time. I'm just, I, we pick them and the next day they're all back. I mean, we're putting down preen and they're still coming. They just love us. Weeds just love our yard. They're just a workout. Kids don't like the weeds. But it's just part of, there's responsibility in family. And if you call this your church home, someone says, oh, where do you go to church? Oh, yeah, my church is, is Horizon. I go to Horizon Community Church. This is where I choose to gather and fellowship with people. And this, that's my church home. People, we just throw that phrase out real easy. Yeah, that's my home church, Horizon. With home comes responsibility. Just part of the thing. None of us get to live at Holiday Inn unless you got lots and lots of money. We all have responsibilities. And here, how much better can we make this place if we all do something to make it better? I mean, look around at all the family members here. You know, all these people who've come, most of you I've seen them multiple times. You come here on a fairly regular basis. Imagine if every one of you engaged in some way to make this a better place, whether it's officially by being a part of the welcome stuff or the, the sound and tech crew or children's ministries, serving the babies in the nurseries, serving upstairs, serving in a shepherding group environment, serving in a life group. But if we all work together, we can make something even more amazing than we have right now. The more people who engage and, and say this is our church home, you know, we financially support the church. Do we financially support the church? Because I know I financially support my home. You know, do we support, do we, do we support what God asks? Do we, do we do what God asks? Guys, I don't want to be legalistic. I'm not trying to be legalistic here about church attendance but, uh, and about, you know, doing stuff. But we all should take some responsibility. There's value in what we do. We all need to serve to make this a better place. Let's not serve out of obligation, but let's serve out of a heart of gratefulness. I love the cards that come through. We have these communication cards. In just a few moments here, I'm going to tell you about them. Uh, fill in one out, and you can pull one out now if you'd like. But oftentimes, I'll get one that'll just say, I just want to help. Well, I know pretty much what that's from. That's from somebody who's recently encountered the life change that comes through Jesus Christ because they're excited. They came to this place, they discovered life change, and they just want to help other people discover it as well. They just want to help. I love that. I love that heart. We all need to have that same gratefulness because we were all rescued from our path. We were all rescued from our sin. Folks, this living room community, as that video has talked about, that we're a community of faith. Community cares for each other. A community cares for, for the things around them. And, and I think we do a good job here, but I always think there's room for improvement for all of us. I need to improve on this. 
Uh, we all do. It's just part of growing. We all just have to continually grow and get better. But I will tell you this. If you'll value this experience, if you won't get caught up in... I, I, look, I know that Little League and soccer and mowing the lawn and doing the thing, the sun comes out and there's, there's other places to go, the beach is calling, you know. I, I, I'm okay that, that, you know, I don't wanna, I'm not saying we have to be here every single week but let's not let the pendulum swing where we're going once or twice a month, and that's our, our whole Christian experience. Because if you only ate once or twice a month, or you only really had good vitamins once or twice a month, you're probably not going to be that healthy. And the same way we nurture our physical body, we need to take care of our, our spirit. And this is part of that, coming to this place.